Welcome to Catholic Radio for Katie Anna's presentation of Cajun Catholics. Here's your host, Todd Citron. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of life and for the privilege that we have to be together and, and for all the men and women who are listening to us on the radio. We ask that you would give us a presence to the present moment, that you would bless us today. You would send your mercy and your grace uh, into our our minds. Bless our minds that we would know your mysteries and our ears that we'd hear your voice. Bless our eyes that we would see your face and our lips that we would speak your praise. And may all that we talk about this this day be for your glory and honor. And we ask all this through Christ our Lord. Amen. 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 Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Lord Jesus, Amen. I just want to pray for Father it's Mike and all of voice. his jealousy that he would, he would stop he trying to be like me, Lord he Jesus. Voice, you, know, you know, the next Cajun Catacomb may be coming to you from Grand Isle, Louisiana. From Grand Isle. This is the soft, velvety voice of FM Radio, Grand Isle, Louisiana. Welcome. <laughs> You're listening to Cajun Catholics. I'm your host, Todd Citron. This is part two of a two-part series, and we're with Father Mark Toops. He has many titles. My favorite would be Friend. And mm. Amen, brother. Amen. Great. So we can just stop right there. And and our co-host today, he just happened to come along. Uh, <laughs> just sitting in the room, yeah, enjoying Father the Mike Delcom of Sacred Heart in Broussard, Louisiana. I'm Welcome here. Back. All right, all right, Father Mike. I mean, it's time for you to step up to the plate. Please. Yeah, I please. mean, he's been on my coattails for way too long. What's your thoughts about <laughs> episode one? All the things we talked about, and and uh, and where are we going with all this? Yeah, we, uh, episode one, we talked about uh, this, the battle that men face. We talk about the motivation that men live for, and perhaps can we offer another option, another way to live? So as I was listening to part one, uh, what was impressed upon me is, you know, I know my motivation. I often live by my motivation, but I just don't think that there are other people with other motivations out there that are trying to impress upon me their motivation. So uh, the talk that we um, had Monday night in our Linton series and our, our mission and that the guys were at, I think what impressed upon me was that there are two other people that are trying to impress their motivation on my life. The Lord he is trying to love me and trying to support me and trying to help me see me as he sees me, but there's also an enemy out there. And so I just to expand my horizon of my motivation and how I live my life and the course that I live is not the only motivation that's trying to influence the path that is before me. And so I just don't think about that often. I don't think about there is constant motivation behind everything, everything that is presented to me for my good or for my destruction. Our paths, the three of us, crossed on two major events in my life, one secular, one very religious. Mm. Uh, we all, the three of us, met at the College World Series. Uh, and <laughs> it was a very special time and one of my most fond memories of just being with my family. Father Mark, I was thinking about that in church during the mission about what you said about Think back about when you were with your family and when you were the happiest in your life. Mm. And truly, it was that time. Hmm. And the reason and is because, and I've thought about this many times, Omaha is a slow place. Mm. You go to a baseball yeah. game, yeah. that's a slow deal. You go to a lot of baseball games that LSU's not playing in, slow deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, you go to the movies, you sleep late, you eat breakfast, you know, but you're spending, for me, we had the whole family there, including my mom and the kids. and. And they, my kids have traveled the world. They've been very fortunate enough to go on many trips, but they still, to this day, 
will say Omaha was their greatest vacation. And that time of nothingness, that time to spend with the family, bar none, was my best memory of my life, honestly. Yeah, and it was um, it was certainly about you know the game, and it was certainly about the excitement of being in that season. But it was also y- y'all y'all drove up, right? Yeah. It, it, it's about all the time in the car. Yeah. And it's about all the conversation, and it's not just about the conversation and the time in the car. It's about the heart and the brain being like kind of free to not be burdened by anything that disposes me to wherever the conversation is going to go. You know, it, it's about it's about the rest of being in relationship with each other, and and so all that time with each other, all the conversations, the laughter, the storytelling, the remembering, the shared experience. What was happening there? I, I would imagine is. Everyone was present to the present moment, and everyone was present to each other in the present moment. And I think that when we think about the attack that's on men, which was what we talked about on Monday night, we then applied that on Wednesday at the mission to the attack that's on families. And um, the three things that are attacking families these days, there's lots of things that are out there, but I, I framed it under three Ps, pace, presence, and priorities. And the first thing that I think that that shocks me is that it's not that we're struggling with pace and presence and priorities. It's the hopelessness that people feel like, well, there's no other way. This is just the way it is these days, and I've got to live like that. And and, and that's where a lot of my grief is in the attack. But I, I think that a lot of people would probably agree, if they're honest with themselves, that we're probably all living too fast. And what happens is when we're living too fast during, you might say, nine to five, and we continue to live that fast outside, then our weekends or our time off is just grasping at things that we're, we're hoping to make us happy. And I think that the first thing that we need to do is reclaim the pace with which we live our lives, both externally and internally. It's one thing to rush on the, ex, on the outside, but when we're always rushing on the inside, then I think that it's just uh, the, our hearts never have a place to rest. So I, I think that... Um, when, when families make an intentional decision to reclaim the pace with which they live their lives, they can reclaim, you might say, sanity within their families. Yeah, well, why, uh, just to the person who says, why is it so hard? Why is it so hard to, to change the pace? Why is it so hard to slow down? We hear that all the time. You know, we might hear priests or we might hear our wives. Or we might hear our boss or coworkers say just we're going too fast. We're moving. Why do you think it's just so hard for us to slow down? Well, I, I think that certainly there, our, our society, our culture is moving at a faster pace, right? And unless we are making some intentional choices to think about, is that healthy? Then we're just going to get swept up and go where everybody else is going, right? So I, I don't want to place all of the, the blame, you might say, on the listener or the guy who's asking that question. The fault of, of, of us who are living too fast is not simply that we're living too fast, but that we haven't even questioned whether or not that's healthy for us. So uh, we're just going to get kind of get swept up in the tide. And as the tide's moving out, we're just going to move out with the tide unless we make an intentional decision to say, all right, I don't know if I want to do that anymore. But nothing's going to change in our life, especially in a man's life, unless we say, I want it to change. I understand why it needs to change. And I'm going to make choices in my life intentionally for it to change. Love that. Yeah, I loved night three. 
you know, I was really touched by what you said, and I had shared with you that, you know, it's a big discussion in our home. And we're empty nesters, so we don't have the problems that the ones that have the kids with the screen time. But um, in our, and just in our house, you know, and it's me too, it's certainly not just my wife, but, you know, we're, we're, we're spending way too much time. And I love when you say, well, why can't a phone just be a phone, you know? <laughs> That's right. I mean, can't we just have a phone? <laughs> yeah, and look, I've, I've, I've made lots of choices. I actually ordered a flip phone. Uh-huh. I remember calling my carrier's representative and saying, hey, I'm trying to find a flip phone. And I remember it like the one second pause on the other end of the line, like, R- really? Like on purpose? <laughs> like, and um, so I had this conversation with the person on the other end of the phone of trying to just take control back of my life. And it was this long pause as I was in that conversation with the customer service representative of, of them like, wow, could there be another way? And... Um, I, you know, I think inevitably the reason why I have struggled to make that decision is because so much of my professional communication is through text messages these days, especially for people like my bishop who need me immediately, that uh, it, it, it's, it's hard to, to break away from it. But, but yeah, the, the phone is so many other things. It's, uh, I forget the statistic of how many times a day we, we check our phone, and I forgot the statistic of how many minutes upon waking up that the average American actually touches their phone, not for their alarm. Yeah. Let me tell you how the devil works. So I YouTube, I Google you and I YouTube your vocation story, which was phenomenal. And I I press play and what comes up, but two devices, a guy with a laptop and an iPhone, and he's got a solar powered battery that he's, it's an advertisement. Yeah. And I thought it was your deal. And I'm like, wait a minute. He just talked about the disengages from the devices and he's got three of them in his hand, but it was a commercial. And so I thought that was pretty, I thought that was pretty interesting. But anyway, um, I wanted to say that one of the the chords that it struck with me, and I'm proud of myself in this regard that when I was in high school, I loved basketball, but I was never going to play professional basketball. You know, it wasn't in the cards. And I made a decision in high school to quit basketball and it hurt me because all my brothers had played basketball, but, my father was sick. He, he had cancer. And, you know, I wanted to, we, we like, we enjoyed fishing and, and I wanted to spend that time with him. And I also wanted to spend time with my girlfriend. Just met Jill. We were 16 years old. So I made a decision. I'm not going to play high school sports because they came to the meeting prior to the junior year and said, Hey, you're going to spend the entire summer in a camp. We're going to practice all summer long. And I'm like, wait a minute, that's my summer you're talking about. And, and and whether that was the right or wrong decision, I'll always regret not playing high school sports for that reason. But at the same time, I think I had a little glimpse of, of wanting that time. Yeah, and I think that's one of the things that concerns me in the attack on families is just how early we get hooked into the competition of competition. You know, and um, I, look, I understand that things are, are different now. I'm not pretending that they. They're, they're going to go back. But um, we had two rules during the summer when I was a kid. Number one, you had to wear shoes on August the 1st because you, you had to get your shoes and your feet ready for going back to school. And you had to call mom at noon and tell her where you were. But we were just kind of running around all summer long. There was a pack of 12 of us, and we just kind of, kind of played a lot. But now it's travel baseball, and it's travel soccer, and it's travel basketball, and it's competitive this, and it's leagues. And, and look, I, I understand that, that, that things have changed a little bit, but uh, I just wonder – 
what is the what are the consequences that on families when we're spending our, our Monday through Friday evenings in the van rushing from this to get to that and then parents are just in the stands on their phones at practice the entire time and um, I, I just I just wonder what, what's happening to the time you know and I, I know a lot of other a lot of families will say well we, we have travel baseball and we're, we're all together for the weekends and I'm not saying that there aren't some blessings that are kind of hidden in it but what concerns was that we're not even asking that question if 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 there's another way to have leisure and to have time together as a family now yeah and why don't you uh why don't you share with our listeners what you talked about on this tuesday night because you this is kind of a segue when we lose sense of pace when we overpace ourselves then we there's a consequence and, and that's a, the consequence is presence, right? Our, yeah. Our when, we're not be... present to each other. I think that's where the screens come in is that, you know, we can be in the same room with each other, but if three different people are on three different devices, then we're not really with each other. So we're losing our ability to be present to the present moment and to be present to each other, which to go back to the way that we opened up this uh, radio sh- uh, segment, Todd, you said that was the highlight for your family and that memory of Omaha, right? And so my concern is that, that with the the i think the addiction of screens that is gripping families that families are no longer relating to each other if they relate to each other they relate through screens so many times if they relate to each other but uh, but i'm just concerned with our our capacity for human things like conversation and i think what happens is when our pace is too much we come home exhausted and then what happens, and I say this with great love, so please hear me with love, a mother and a father who are exhausted just grab their screen because they want to veg out and they want to decompress. And it's just easy to throw a screen in front of a kid because I don't feel like dealing with you because I'm exhausted, right? Now, look, I'm not a biological father, and uh, I, I know that some parents may like judge that statement, but I, I think there's, there's a connection between the pace we live our lives and what are we searching for in the screen? Some form of escape, some form of relief, some form of diversion, um, but um, I, I, I can't imagine that anyone would intelligently tell me that humanity in relationships and families are stronger because of the infiltration of screens into family life. You're listening to the Mark and Mike show, and uh, these guys are uh, just really on fire for Christ and doing an awesome job, and I just can't say thank you enough for being the being you. Thank you for being you, you guys. I love you both. And uh, the second thing we talked about that you and I, we, the three of us ran into each other was, was a big religious event in my life, a life-changing event, uh, our Holy Land trip. So uh, tell us a little bit about what was your highlights, takeaways. I, I got the story to tell about you, Father Mark, uh, but what, 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 what did you enjoy about that trip? I think that that, uh, that trip to the Holy Land, it was my second trip uh-huh. to the Holy Land, and there are two moments that stand out to me. I think there was a moment where just the voice of the Lord clearly telling me not to try to be like Father Mike and that I would never have to <laughs> be like that. And um, um, we were in um, at the, the the church where the, the, the well is, the woman at the well. Yeah, Samaria. And, um, man, the priest there um, just pierced my heart. I forget his name. Um, but um, there had been attempts on his life, and that was a man who was living free. And um, let me tell you, when I was 20 years old and searching for the saints and didn't see men who were living their lives radical for Jesus, that, that, that came 
in the flesh when I saw that man. He's a living saint. And um, it just convicted me. It, it, it elicited within me a desire to be a saint. It elicited in me a desire to give my life completely to God. There was something about the encounter with him that um, is still etched in my mind in vivid memory. Um, and even thinking about it now, like I, I can feel a desire is coming up to, to, to be a saint like him. And um, yeah, so that was one of the moments was just meeting him and my experience in that church that day. And if our listeners could picture Merlin the Wizard, that's exactly <laughs> yes, what he looked absolutely. like. And if you want to go to our Facebook page, uh, I'm going to post the picture of the three of them mm. that, that I took, I believe, uh, that really tells the picture. I trivialed you at the uh, deal. I'm going to, you weren't there, but you better get this right for the mic. Uh, do you remember? He told us, and no one knows, this isn't written down anywhere, but passed down through tradition, the name of the lady at the woman at the well. Do you remember? He looked at us and he says, any man who is trustworthy knows this question. So, like, I'm just looking at you. I'm going to walk out the radio studio if you don't know the name. Well, those people who know me quite well know that I have about a 0.2% chance of remembering her name. So, I'll tell you. uh, Jessica, it touched my daughter, Jess, who I was with. But her name is Nora. And um, we, we just, it's something that touched my daughter and I. And we, we, we love to tell that to other people that her name is Nora. Yeah, um, I, I I want to double back on the story of this this yeah. priest because uh, there's there's some more color commentation to the story. Um, as we're standing there, as the group's standing there, and he's he's telling his story. He's been in the you know pastor for twenty something years, and they've had all these attempts on his life. And he he's saying you know as you walked in the church, in case you didn't notice it, there was like bullet holes and mortar uh, rocket hole, yeah. rocket holes on the front facade of the church, and. Um, he proceeds to tell us that the guy before him, the priest before him, uh, was here, and uh, his life was taken by radicals. And he kind of—he was speaking another language. He gestures to the corner of the church, and there's a casket. Oh. And he said, "That's that's where the, the the previous pastor is. He's over there, literally." And I took his place, and it just impressed upon me, as you were saying, uh, Father Mark. Um, gee, man, this is real. Uh, this guy is putting it on the line. He's all in. Um, yeah, and he chose to pastor that community knowing that there's a casket with his name on it. He awesome. may not know the day or, or, or the time, but the chances of him being martyred for the faith are are, are real. And um, and yet he's, he, 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 he said yes. In Big freedom. smile. Big smile. Oh, Joyful, absolute joy. Happy. Two more quick stories. So at the well, we all drank from Jacob's well. Mm. How insane is that? And I had a guy at work that said, could you, I want to bring you a gift from the Holy Land. What would you like me to bring you? And he specifically said to me, like, without blinking, I want you to bring me a rock from Jacob's well. And I'm like, we're not going to Jacob's well because we weren't supposed to go. We weren't supposed to go there. And and so I'm like, oh, let me tuck that one away. So I'll be doggone if a little pebble came up out of that pail that we sent down there and they put it in the little side thing on the side and I, I snuck it in my pocket. Hmm. And I brought him that, that rock. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, I want to tell you that this is something that I've told this story quite often. But Father Mark, my greatest memory of uh, of you in that trip, and uh, when we did the con- when you did the consecration of the Eucharist and the Mass at the spot of Golgotha, at, mm. at the sleeve of Christ. Yeah. Tell tell us about tell him. Yeah, that was the second highlight for me. We were yeah. in the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. We were at the cross. We were at the place where the cross was, and um, I was overcome 
with um, the number of men who in the last 2,000 years have stood on that very soil who lost their life for Jesus Christ after that, who became martyrs. Uh, I was overcome with the, uh, the modern-day martyrs who are losing their life now in the name of Jesus that we never hear about in our, our secular news sources. It was just a moment where, I, as I was consecrating the Eucharist, the bread in my hand, and I just felt like everybody who was around me was gone, but I was surrounded by like millions of martyrs who had given their life to Jesus Christ with great freedom. And I was just overcome with their holiness and overcome with their presence. And it was just this longing in my heart, like, Jesus, I want to give my life to you, no matter what it takes. Um, So that was what was going on. So when we asked in the first segment, where are the saints? It's in your YouTube video. It's really a call to action. Mm. And uh, and that was the highlight, the, the, the coup de grace of the call to action for all of us because uh, what what Father Mark had done, we all were, he was facing us and everyone, uh, he turned his back towards us when he consecrated the Eucharist at, at the foot of the cross and all of us pressed in upon upon him and we were just on his back literally and that was just one of the most powerful moments of my life. Mm. You know, it was pretty awesome. Well, come on, jump in here. Yeah, yeah. I'm just enjoying it. I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm reliving the moment in my head. Uh, I actually have a picture of it in yes. my office. It's wow. of me and you looking out over the Sea of Galilee. No way. And we were debating. You kept saying, hey, I want to catch a fish. Oh, God. So you <laughs> somehow went find a fishing pole, and you and me were fishing on like this dock right outside our hotel room, and you actually caught a fish in the Sea of Galilee. Truth be told, it wasn't me. The mosquito caught the fish, you know. <laughs> well, um, there was a fish brought in, and we were yes. in the company. Yes. Uh, and then we went swimming in the Sea of Galilee. Wasn't so, that um, a simple memory, but um, it, to, a, a romantic memory in a sense of um, I, I, I've always dreamed as, as I would read the scriptures, as I would read the gospel, just trying to imagine in my mind what it would be like. Um, what the sea would be like, what would what it would be like to be in the boat with Jesus, um, and to be there to actually in my to see what He saw. I mean that for me that's the real, that's the reality of it. I am seeing what He saw. He stood here. He saw these mountains. He was in this water. Like the fish that are here, are generation after generation after generation of the fish that were here when He was here. Um, and it, it was just very tangible of um, uh, I am with him, um, which is beautiful. It was fun. And it was playful. That yeah. was part of a playful time of the trip where we were just swimming in the water. It's cold as all get out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but just playing. I know, I know they swam. I know they played yeah. uh, in the water. And, and lots of fish. Lots of fish swimming around. It's hard to catch, but there's lots of fish in there. Father Mark, uh, you mentioned in your in your testimony on the youtube video about this great peace that came over you when when you had sort of made that decision to to follow christ for the rest of your life and i felt that peace in your mission uh truly one of the i like just so peaceful and the music the music was fabulous i don't know who those guys were i don't know who that's those that's were. todd that's what we do at sacred heart i know, heart I know. Week, it's just quality i know i guess um Speak of that piece. I think it's a person. Yeah. I think that piece is a person. I think it's communion with the Lord. And um, 
I think it is, um, it's one of those gifts from him that pierces the lie that I can find more happiness outside of Christ than I can inside of him. And uh, one of the priests that has a, made a big impact on my life, Father George Ashenburner, once said, don't um, uh, mistake uh, intensity for profundity. Just because something is intense in my life doesn't mean that it's profound. I can, I can experience lots of emotion with other things, but there is something about the peace that comes from a relationship with Jesus Christ that's lasting and that's, uh, that's, that, that's, uh, that's much deeper. And so uh, I, I think that uh, whenever we surrender to the Lord, whenever we give our life to him, uh, he, guarantee, he promises us that, that he has come, that our joy may be complete. And I think uh, all of us are looking for something in life. And when we are able to acknowledge that question, what are we looking for? And then uh, once you taste um, in some way what he's offering you, then I think that it, it speaks to the search. And so I knew that that search was over in my life as I was sharing the vocation story. Because if, if, if that's what life could be, if I could be that at ease and that at peace, then whatever I was looking for in the money or in my relationships with the girl I was dating or whatever, um, none of it satisfied me. And yet there was something about the peace that I felt in the Lord that was not fleeting, that was deeper, that was satisfying. And, and that's what I've been pursuing uh, in the person of Jesus Christ ever since. Amen. 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 And if they want to listen to uh, the the, the talks, uh, where can they go for the mic? Yeah, uh, shbroussard.org. If you just go to to our media resources and look up uh, Linton Mission, they'll be there. shbroussard.org. Just a few minutes left on the show. Uh, Can't get enough for you two. And just so blessed and thankful, Father Mark, for taking the time. I know you headed back and y'all probably exhausted because just Father Mike carrying that – the monstrous around for two nights. I, my wife was like, "He must be strong," because that that was yes. that was a task. You can tell your wife, yes. <laughs> 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 well, again, thank you so much for taking the, the time out of your schedule to do this for us. Um, you've just been a blessing to us um, and to me and my family, and, and proud to call you a friend. Amen, brother. Thank you yeah. for having me. Yep. So again, just uh, a couple of minutes left on the show, um, and I, I, I think people, if they want to get more, how do they find you online? How can? Great, uh, they can find me uh, easiest at marktoops.com. That's my blog, mm-hmm. marktoops.com. I'm also pastor of Our Lady of the Isle in Grand Isle, and the website there is ourladyofthisle.com. And um, not quite sure when uh, those who are listening to this may be able to hear it, whether they hear it uh, live or on uh, some time tape late. But Father Mike and I are also preaching a series this Lent uh, called Behold the Lamb. Uh, both of us are preaching the same series. It's on the biblical roots of the Mass. And uh, if folks who are listening are looking for something that will help them appreciate the Mass, especially right now in COVID where there's lots of questions about going back to Mass or watching Mass or then I would really encourage people to listen to that series. Um, Mike's going to be Father Mike's going to be preaching that here in the Lafayette area at Sacred Heart and Broussard. Week four and five are going to be the next two weekends at Sacred Heart and Broussard, and I'll be uh, the same at Our Lady of the Island Grand Isle. But um, I would encourage people to access those homilies and listen to the series. Uh, and 20 years of priesthood, this has been the, the most powerful series I've ever preached. Ooh, that's a strong statement. So. Last night, Father Mark surprised Father Mike and said he was going to donate $5,000 of his own money, 25% of his yearly salary, to the capital campaign at Sacred Heart. I want to challenge our listeners to get to make a donation to Sacred Heart and Bruce Hart because they're doing some great things over there. And without asking Jill, 
I'm pledging that same five thousand dollars to you, Father Mike. Brella, I mean, can we do another show? Can we do like a, <laughs> Can we do part three? <laughs> we can just repeat it. All right. Hey, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You're very welcome. You've been listening to the Mark and Mike Cajun Catholic Radio Show. We challenge our listeners to engage the Cajun Catholic in you. And again, you can hear us on Spotify or on Apple Podcasts. Just search Cajun Catholics. Until next time, God bless.